Thanks for tuning into the Happiness Playbook, a podcast that supports your practice of play theory, a life strategy that cultivates hope, generosity, and validation of self and others. Here at the Happiness Playbook, we believe life is a team sport, and we're all in this together. So let's join forces as we focus on the positive and share tips and practices to up your happy game. I'm Larie Florence, and I'll be your host for this episode of the Happiness Playbook. Let's start off with our team huddle. We're going to do something just a little different. Rather than sharing reviews that were sent in, I just wanted to acknowledge some wonderful people who I happened to work with in my theater program who took the time to text me and also come up to me personally and share how their experience was listening to the podcast over the last couple of weeks. One person in particular shared how she heard something that was valuable that she thought would help a friend who she knew was struggling with some issues. And so she shared that idea with her friend. And I was so grateful to hear that because that's why I'm doing this. I want to be helpful and I want to share ideas and processes that can help in our community and strengthen and lift other people because we're all in this together. So I really, I really appreciate people taking the time to do that. It means a lot. It's hard to record something and then you put it out there and you don't really know who's listening to it or how it's received. In a conversation, it's two-sided. You can tell if someone is engaged, if they're listening, if they care. And this is very one-sided. So those little moments really mean a lot. So thank you, Melissa, Laura, and Reagan. I wanted to cover our highlight reel here. This one comes from the Good Works or Good News Network once again. And the title of it is Humans Can Fight Off Viruses by Breathing. That sounds pretty good because I don't know about you, but I don't have to really think about breathing. I just do it. There's one little caveat though. The type of breathing you do can make a difference. And these folks at the Weiss Institute at Harvard University, they have determined that as we're breathing in, we're stretching our lung tissue, this generates an immune response against invading viruses. How cool is that? So they discovered that the motion of deep breathing can actually suppress influenza virus and other viruses while activating innate protective immune responses. Wow, that is awesome. So maybe that's a contributing factor to why meditation can be so beneficial to overall health and well-being and why stress can be so damaging. Have you noticed that when you're really stressed, this is true for me, I, I will catch myself thinking I should take a deep breath and I will and it's a huge difference and that's when I recognize, oh, I haven't been breathing deep. I've just been doing this little shallow panting kind of breath when I'm in a really tense situation. So taking that moment, taking that really deep breath can be a huge step to get you going in the right direction, not just mentally, but it does all of these chemical things in your body, including strengthening your immune system. That's awesome. It's kind of nice to have something that's uh, good news that you don't have to do anything to have it really be good news. So we can all take a deeper breath. All right, our our post-game analysis. We talked about the principle of anti-fragility last week, and we had a challenge. How did you do? When you felt stress or strain, were you able to take a breath and accept that it's happening 
And instead of feeling disappointment, resentment, frustration, or anger, were you able to build something positive from this negative that you were feeling by asking questions, specifically the question, how can this be strengthening me? So if you did that, we'd love to hear about that in the comments on our website, playtheory.org, or you could send us a message at the Happiness Playbook on Instagram. You could comment on one of our posts there. You could also chime in on the Facebook page for Play Theory. I had the experience of having my grandchildren in town. They've been here for spring break, and I'm a lot older than I was when they were when my daughter was a little kid or when I had little kids. And so I'm not as used to picking them up and carrying and all of the routines that they have and the kinds of foods that they eat. I've been a little spoiled since I've been an empty nester for a bit. And there were some times where I had committed to watch them happily, but I I could feel myself feeling the stress and the strain. And I remembered this challenge and I was able to ask myself how How is this strengthening me? How can this be a positive? And something that that happened for me is I was able to have this epiphany that I was an awesome mom. (laughs) Let me explain. I worked really hard and I made countless sacrifices for my children when they were young. And caring for my grandchildren that are quite young brought these back to my recollection. And it helped me feel like I deserved credit for all those things that often, mostly, let's be honest, went unnoticed by others, um, by other family members or by my children. And being the primary care provider, even even if it was just for a few hours in the day, it reminded me of how demanding and how challenging that is. And Shout out to to moms with young kids and everybody look outward and take care of them. Give them a break and, and help out. In Tennessee, they have parking stalls for mothers with young children or pregnant women. And I I was always like, hallelujah. Yeah, do what you can to lighten the load because people really do carry these huge, huge burdens. And I think that's one that goes unnoticed by so many people because it just gets taken for granted because moms do serve out of this abundance of love and they, they make these sacrifices and they don't demand recognition because they love their kids so much. But my opportunity to be with my young grandchildren this week um, gave me the opportunity to give myself loads of credit for all of the hours and hard work that I put in. And that was a cool way to strengthen my confidence in myself and to feel um, gratitude that I had that experience and gratitude that I'm in a new stage of life. So it brought a lot of peace just by asking that question. For today's play-by-play, we're talking about the word practice. And when I say the word practice, there are two forms of that word. We're talking about the one that is spelled with a C. So I'm going to just give the definition. Practice is the act of rehearsing a behavior repeatedly to help learn and eventually master a skill. And I don't know if you're like me, but I have sometimes run into the word where it's spelled with an S and I've wondered which is correct. So here is your answer. In just regular English, practice with the C is the noun, and when we use an S instead, that means it's a verb or it's something that we're doing. But in American English, so over on this side of the pond, it's now common for practice with the C to be used as both a noun and a verb. So 
now you know. But today, we're going to talk about both types of practice. The noun, when you have a practice, think about a doctor has a practice. You might have a meditative practice. Uh, You might have to go to baseball practice. And then we also have the verb, which is when we practice something. We practice our piano. We practice our religion. We might practice uh, for some skill that we're trying to develop. So think about both of those definitions for that one word. One of our mottos has been, happiness is a skill. And for the most part, we agree with this, but there are exceptions. I've been very open about some serious depressive episodes I've experienced that no amount of happiness practice alone could have saved me from. So in that sense, you know, happiness is a skill. There, there are other things at play, and we want to be really clear about acknowledging that. Today, though, we're talking about a guiding principle, not sniffing around the edges where the extremes might be hiding. For the most part, this principle is that our attitudes affect our mood and an attitude can be cultivated. We do have control over attitudes. And we do have a huge influence over our attitudes because we're the master of our thoughts, which will compound into our attitude and therefore our mood. And again, the disclaimer, when you have a chemical imbalance, um, situations of trauma or abuse, we don't want anyone to, to be adding insult to injury by beating themselves up, saying that they are in control and they should have done more. There are always going to be things that they can control, but everything is not always in our control. And this example I'm going to share is a perfect description of that. There was a man named Viktor Frankl. He was a neurologist, psychiatrist, philosopher, writer, and Holocaust survivor. He was taken into a camp during World War II by the Nazis, and he was tortured. He saw family members killed. He knew that family members didn't survive, and he had to endure time in this prison camp in these these terrible, terrible circumstances. And he, after this, he came out and he survived, and he founded a school of psychotherapy called Logotherapy that describes a search for life's meaning as the central human motivational force. And he talked a lot about how his search for meaning in life was what kept him alive when he watched so many other people perish in these horrible conditions. And he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. I highly recommend it. It's not a light read, but I consider it invaluable in shaping someone's perspective, and helping, helping you find meaning in your life. Here's a quote from his book. We who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts, comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Unquote. We could talk for hours about the differences between attitudes, personalities, 
emotional baselines, and chemical depressions. Instead, for today's uh, episode, I want to talk and focus on the value of practicing with an S, something that you want to get better at. And I would hope that our perspective, our attitudes, is something that you would want to have improve. And that's what we're going to talk about. I mentioned some things that we can improve with practice. My children all had to play the piano. Some were more interested in mastering it than others. And the ones that did do better at achieving that goal, they spent more time practicing. I have started a yoga practice over the past few years. And the yogi that I really love, her name is Sarah Beth. You can find her on YouTube. Shout out to Sarah Beth. She's awesome. She has this really calming voice. And she's not in it to be the world's most impressive yogi. She is there to encourage and coach and help you establish a practice. And she has said that doing 10 minutes regularly is far better than doing a long 60-minute class once a week. And it's about flexibility. And I don't know about you, but if you've stretched really good once every two weeks, you have to, it's like starting over again if you don't get back to it. And so... That I found that really to be true. That regular practice has made all the difference for me. Meditation, that's something that we hear a lot about because it's getting a lot of good reviews. It does great things for us, just like we discussed with lowering our stress levels and increasing our immune response. And that's something that you need to do it on a regular basis. So pick a time, pick a space, and commit to, to doing it. Start small, but take those steps and make it happen regularly. I love pickleball, and playing pickleball is super fun, but it's more fun when I take the time to drill for skills outside of a match. When I do that, I can develop a stroke or some type of a game plan that helps me when I do have a match, but it takes a long-term focused effort. Some of you might remember Malcolm Gladwell and his very popular 10,000 hour rule. This was an intriguing statement that he made that anything that you're going to become an expert at will require 10,000 hours of, of concentration and intense effort in order to become an expert. But there's another guy named Anders Ericsson who he has, has um, written a rebuttal to Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours and he said that it's not the amount of time that affects the elite status, but more importantly, how deliberate the practice is. Erickson stated, it's now quite clear that the number of hours of merely engaging in activities such as playing music, chess, and soccer has a much lower benefit for improving performance than deliberate practice. And I would say that I think Malcolm Gladwell's probably got it right and that it does take a lot of hours, but it's not the number. It is the intentionality. And if you're going to be that intent, it's not enough to show up to yoga and just go through the motions. Yoga involves a lot of breath control and you're focusing. Sarah Beth will say, if you're thinking about things off the mat, you're just exercising. You're not practicing yoga. I like to watch pickleball videos on YouTube because there's a lot of strategy in pickleball. But if I don't actually show up to a match, it's not going to do me any good. All the videos that I've watched are not going to really improve my playing if I don't really put um, put my effort 
into practice. So are you practicing play theory? Do you have a play theory practice? I'm hoping that you do because that's why you're tuning in. What does that practice look like? It takes a lot of focus and effort to escape the tracks that we have consistently been laying down through our actions. And when we're doing mindless actions, we're still laying down this this routine or habit. And the only way to escape that is to become mindful and truly present and aware of where it is we're going and where we want to go. As play theory coaches, those of us who are involved with the Happiness Playbook, we've been focusing on the four play theory principles every week in order to come up with content and come up with strategies for you, the listener, so that you can improve your play theory practice with a C. So here's some ideas that you can try out. Maybe in the morning you could set a goal to focus on one of the four principles. Just bringing awareness is super powerful. You could engage others in your practice and share your victories and observations. Maybe there's someone that wants to improve in this as well. You could engage us. You could direct message us on the Happiness Playbook at Instagram or at Play Theory on Facebook. You could leave a comment on the website and we'll give you some feedback or cheer you on. I highly recommend making a routine. So this might look like choosing one thing that you're always going to practice that is going to strengthen your play theory game. One that I do is I always try to look outward and be present with a cashier at a store. That looks like saying their name because they always have a name tag and asking them how their day has been going. I'll ask them, are they at the beginning of their shift? Are they at the end of their shift? And I don't need to do psychotherapy or find out, you know, when their last life crisis was. But it makes the time go faster. And inevitably, even if they're grumpy, when I first start putting my items on the little checkout um, desk, what do you call that? I don't know, stall. They'll be smiling by the end. And maybe it's just a little thing, but maybe the next guy in line needs somebody who's smiling to take care of their groceries because they're having a really bad day. Another way you could do that is start every day when you first wake up, think, I'm going to take three really deep breaths. I'm going to take the deepest breath I can when I first wake up. You could end the day by accepting what came your way and reflecting on three things that you're grateful for. And maybe even give yourself a challenge of looking at the thing that was a challenge or hard and what is it that that you can be grateful for in that challenge. You can drill for a habit. Give yourself a challenge for a day. You can say, I will not say the word no today. I'm going to say yes in response to all conversation. And of course, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a yes man and just do whatever anyone asks of you. Check out episode 57, which is titled, But I Don't Want to Accept and Build on That. And that will give you more details on on how to do that. But in a nutshell, you can, if it's a bad idea, let's say someone says, let's go play in the freeway. You can say, literally, yes, I hear what you're saying about playing in the freeway. And that's a really bad idea. There's no way I would ever do that. I'm interested in playing with you. Maybe we can find something that's safe to do. So anyway, that would be a drill. You could drill a habit. We have had a play theory class online that you could take that would improve your practice. And we'd be happy to organize something like that. If you are interested, reach out. 
So uh, we learned a little bit in our highlight reel about deep breathing. You could set up a schedule. You could say, I'm going to check in every time I have a meal and I'm going to practice deep breathing for 10, 10 deep breaths and evaluate if I have been present and be really present in this in this moment, sitting where I'm sitting or in the room where I'm at. One thing that's super important about a practice is it's, it's lather, rinse, repeat. It never goes away. You just have to keep doing it. And you get better at things, to be sure, but there'll always be additional things to practice. And we hope that we can support you in your effort and that this weekly podcast is something that you can look forward to that will give you new ideas, invigorate you, keep you motivated, and you can have a better experience throughout your day, throughout your life, and in your community. We hope that you'll invite others to do so as well, because that will help you have support and give you opportunities to teach. When you teach something, you learn. So find somebody that you can tell these four principles to and then invite them to practice them with you. And that will help us as we all work together to build a community of positivity. It's time for our play of the week. We hope that you'll take the time this week to make a plan and then commit to practicing happiness and have a happiness practice. See what I did there? It'll mean you'll need to report to someone on Team Happiness about your first week's progress or somebody that you've invited because feedback is essential and accountability is essential. We hope you'll take the time to do that. It can be one of those suggestions that I said. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but being aware, being proactive, and making that choice is going to change a direction and take you to a place that you really want to be. Thank you so much for being a member of Team Happiness. We're honored to be a part of your happiness practice. We'll do our best to teach valuable lessons, share inspirational content, and hold you accountable to your commitment to improve your happiness game. Thank you for your support and interest in our efforts to change the world for the better as we all move forward together towards greater awareness and generosity. We hope you'll tune in next week did you know that the roots of play theory can be found in ancient Japanese culture? Next episode, we'll learn the one word that wraps up all four of the play theory principles in one overarching idea. We'll catch you next time. Till then, keep on practicing your happy.